Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Isolated in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins, and a dig wrote across the Harpeth River in his quarantine bunker here in the Music City. It's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. I can dig that. I can dig that too. Speaking of digs, you dig? Stefan digs to the Buffalo Bills, baby. Former Maryland great. Yeah, you're excited. I, I know in the in the group chat though, you said you you thought they gave up too much. Well, I mean, the fact that you gave up more for Diggs than Arizona did for DeAndre Hopkins, when DeAndre Hopkins is, for my money, the best wide receiver in the NFL. For- well, did, did you did you see the details and all that? Like they, like they were pretty much forced to take whatever they could get, or because um, basically Bill O'Brien, I, I just read a report um, and I heard Michael Irvin talk about it. Um, that he brought up Aaron Hernandez in a meeting with DeAndre Hopkins that, you know, basically saying, you know, the last time I had a meeting like this with a player, it was with Aaron Hernandez. And DeAndre Hopkins was like, what? I've never been in trouble. Yeah. So uh, the proverbial uh, blankety blank was about to hit the fan. So um, I think they just had to kind of cut bait, take what they could get just to get him out of town. So I wouldn't use that. I wouldn't be quick to use that as a barometer. I would be quick to say that Stefan Diggs is a absolute stud. He's going to go well with Devin Singletary. Josh Allen's finally got a top tier target to throw to. Um, but how about Tom Brady? Tom Brady. Well, let's get the thoughts of the third amigo in the second city, a man who is using his quarantine time to learn French so he can listen to live renditions of Tim <laughs> on French streaming podcasts. It's sure. our blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook. Yeah, so I know we normally do college football, but the sports world is obviously on uh, standby for good reason, other than some NFL news, because you can call and sign free agents and stuff from the comfort of your home. But yeah, Tom Brady, 20 years and then out. Um, it'll be interesting. I I don't think he's looked half as good as he was four or five years ago, these last three seasons. Uh, I don't think the Bucks are getting much. Uh, for the Patriot perspective, there was no way in the world to trade him. Well, so yeah, because his contract was like, you can't trade him. So. Yes, exactly. That's what I mean. So, but I'm saying they, they couldn't have traded him like last year, the year before. Oh, yeah, no, definitely um, not. But, you like, know, on, on the Bucks end, like, you know, you know, they they no longer will have the 30-30 man. Uh, well, I did, yeah, I was going to say, Winston. I do know this. I do know this, that they have, the Bucks have drastically cut down their turnovers. Now. Well, I was going to say, so last year, Jameis Winston threw, I think, seven pick sixes, uh, an NFL record. Tom Brady has thrown six pick sixes in the last 10 seasons. His last pass as a 
Patriot was a pick six to Logan Ryan of, of the Tennessee Titans. And, um, and the last pass of Jameis Winston's career as a buck was also a pick six. It, a pick six. Yes. In overtime for both of them. Yes. So, so. well, uh, I think that's going to do it for our, our NFL free agency. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The bears made a trade too this afternoon. The bears traded for Nick Foles. Yeah. They're, they're, re- they're replacing crap with mediocrity. Let's move on. <laughs> Tell that me how you really feel. Right. I'm not even a Bears fan. I just live here. I have to hear this crap on the radio all the time. Um, I yay, the Bears are going to go from 8-8 eight and eight to a different form of 8-8. Eight eight. Were they even 8-8 eight eight last year? I, I, I just assume they're 6-10 and 10 every year until I hear otherwise. Um, no, that was the Wanstead era. Now they're, no. now they're in the new Jim Fox 8-8. Eight and eight I, I, I'm sorry. The, uh, the, the Lovey Smith era was the 9-7 and seven era every year. <laughs> and yeah. So um, anyways, we're going to talk a little bit about college football here today. Obviously, with the global pandemic that is COVID-19, uh, all of college football is shut down. All the universities are you know, shut down and moving to online learning, which means obviously no spring ball. So let's talk a little bit to begin with, guys, about the importance of spring ball and coach I want to start with you especially because we see every year more and more guys enrolling early graduating high school semester early so they can enroll in January and participate in spring ball coach why is spring football so important and what's going to be the fallout uh with you know having no spring ball this year well spring spring ball is important for uh, a number of reasons um, especially with the transient um, nature of coaching um, it's a good way to um, get your new coaches acclimated with the university and with the players uh, for early enrollees. It's their chance to test out in, in about as low pressure of a situation as you can get for practicing football um, to get used to practicing and balancing school and kind of getting that in-season feel. Uh, so for early enrollees, it gives them a leg up from the freshmen that come in in June because they, they learn the system. Um, they learn the most important thing is they learn how to be, how to have life as a student athlete. So that's probably the biggest thing they, they gain uh, during spring practice for quarterbacks. It just gives them reps with their receivers, you know, linemen gives them extra time to, to uh, you know, to be in the weight room, um, things like that, to just to kind of acclimate to the blocking schemes and the, you know, in the coaching styles of your typical line coaches for defensive guys, it just gives them more tackling instruction because uh, fundamentals are very, very, uh, very, very much a big deal in spring. Um, I know at the University of Georgia, it gives them a big game atmosphere in the uh, in the spring game. So places like probably like Alabama, Georgia, Florida, um, Ohio I don't State, know about Michigan, Ohio State, like all, the, Michigan, all those schools will have. I mean, I know Boston. Ohio State a couple of years ago had set the record for spring game attendance, like 107,000 people. Yeah, it's crazy. It gives them that big game atmosphere, but not that big game pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's definitely uh, de- definitely a, a, a big chore right now. Josh, uh, you know, you have anything to add there? Yeah, I think the other thing with spring football is it really lets some teams know position battles and how they're going to look. You get first look at guys, and I know this is kind of a dated reference, but it's thinking about God, almost twenty years and twenty years ago now with Iowa football. Uh, 2001, they, they win the Alamo Bowl, their first bowl game under Ferentz, and they had a senior quarterback graduate in Kyle McCann, and uh, 
uh, the rest of the roster um, kind of an unknown. You had Brad Banks, who um, attempted a few passes as a backup in that season. And then in the offseason, um, Nathan Chandler comes in, who is a junior, and would replace Banks after his one year as a starter. But Banks shined all through spring football and summer football and got the starting gig and the, you know, the rest is history for that magical 2002 season. And uh, there's countless stories from literally every program um, experiences that where they have an unknown and someone just emerges all through the spring. And by the end of the summer, you're like, okay, that's a no brainer. So if we don't have spring football, um, I think we might see a little bit more roster upheaval in that, uh, your opening day starter, uh, if doesn't look so hot after two or three games, might get yanked, and that could that could make for a very interesting football season. I think it's definitely going to make for a very interesting football season, especially you know just you know the fact that they won't have those reps, and who knows when they'll even be able to go back to school. Um, you know what? Who, who's to say things won't will even start on time? in the fall i mean we because there, there are just so many unknowns that we have right now in the world and around college football so you know obviously i'm i'm sad that i you know there, there'll be no spring football for any of these schools because it, it's always fun to get the reports from camp what position battles are are popping up who looks good what freshmen who redshirted last year have you know put on a lot of you know strength or muscle or gotten faster and are going to be competing for starting spots around the country and I, I really do feel bad for especially some of these kids who decide to you know really make the effort go ahead and graduate high school early you know they, they're they're on they're on their college campus for maybe two months and then all of a sudden it's like, well, uh, yeah, you're going to have to either go home or get the F out of here. And, you know, it's, it's tough. It's really tough for, for a lot of them. And, you know, you just don't get that time with, you know, especially quarterbacks and receivers getting in rhythm, things like that. It's going to put even more of an onus on fall camp, assuming we even have fall camps um, and that we're completely hopefully past our current, epidemic um you know uh fortunately for those of us who cannot get enough college football news uh there is still you know recruiting going on in some way shape or form albeit uh more remotely this is typically the time where we see a lot of uh juniors rising seniors taking uh some of their official visits um but you know we're still getting a couple commitments every day it seems like coach uh i know wisconsin just pulled a linebacker out of florida who looks pretty good um but, you know, it's, it, it, it's just thrown a monkey wrench into the entire landscape of life. So I guess I should ask, how are you guys holding up? Coach, you were just down in Atlanta visiting your mom. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding up pretty good. Uh, like I said, just, just rolled in here shortly before we cranked it up. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. Good, good. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to report some late breaking news, Matt, you're talking about spring football being canceled. Uh, University of Arkansas taking proactive steps are also canceling fall football. <laughs> Dude, I thought they did that a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. I was going to uh, say they're prepared for this. <laughs> uh, all the Arkansas fans are like, Oh, come on. 
<laughs> even even an off-season show where we have nothing to talk about. Uh, how am I doing? I'm doing fine. So I'm, as most of you probably are well aware, I am a high school teacher here in Chicago, and uh, our schools were shut down. Uh, my school, I'm at a private school, we were shut down um, Friday afternoon, we decided, and switched to e-learning. So uh, I'm just grading stuff, posting stuff, and uh, adapting, and it, it's working out all right. Yeah, we're all we're all having to adapt to this new reality. So, uh, but you know, because we're all you know, because the entire world is now working from home, that means more time for us to produce content. So, that's um, right. And expect Illegal Motion to uh, venture outside of the college football realm in the the weeks and months to come, because you know we're here for you guys while you guys are all you know cooped up in your in your houses. Hopefully, not coming into contact with too many other human beings um so uh anyway guys uh i i want to know you know what else is on your mind right now josh in context of sports or life like what's what you know what's going on what's going on man well i know we're not a political show um but illinois had our primary elections yesterday and in local news, this, uh, this real asshat, uh, Dan Lipinski, has been in Congress for 16 years. He's a Democrat. Um, his dad used the old Chicago Daily Democrat machine to get into office, and then so did Dan Lipinski. Um, but he is uh, he's a Democrat in order to get elected from Chicago suburbs. Uh, he voted against... Obamacare. He was the only Illinois Democrat to vote against Obamacare. He does not support uh, Medicare for all, obviously, right now. Um, he does not support pro-choice. Uh, he was against LGBTQ marriage equality and says he is fine with the status quo, but still personally doesn't believe in it. Um, and he lost, he lost to a, uh, a young female politician. So, um, for those of you not familiar with Illinois politics, um, basically in the city of Chicago, the Democrat primary election is the election. So in November, um, the, the person who won the primary, she's going to, win the district uh, easily. And so uh, Marie Newman will be a new congressional rep for, I don't know, Matt, uh, is your wife's uh, suburb Burr Ridge? Is, yes. is that in yep. uh, uh, Lipinski's district? So. I, bl- I believe so. Yeah. So um, that was some interesting news. That was a mm-hmm. fun development. Yeah. Down in DuPage County. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, I'm gonna do a little pop quiz for you guys here, um, since we are. Uh, Josh, are you gonna grade these? Oh God, no. <laughs> today, is, today is the 18th of March. Um, there are nine players since 1956 who have had more than 1,800 receiving yards in a season. Can you name those nine players? And I'm just gonna throw this out. Not you don't even have to rotate. Just throw out some names. Did you say 1,800? Yeah, 1,800 receiving yards in a single year. Okay. 
Randy Moss. Randy Moss. Uh, yep, 1,820 yards back in 1997. Uh, you, you, ju- you just took mine. Um, how about uh, I'm now forgetting if he played at Hawaii or Massachusetts, <laughs> but uh, Andy Isabella. Isabella played at UMass. At, at UMass. Um, <laughs> There's also a Hawaii kid with a bunch of receiving yards the same year. No, he had uh, 1,698 yards. 1,698 yards back uh, two years ago, 2018. Well, recount it. <laughs> Coach. So we're down to eight, right? Uh, Tim Brown. Tim Brown, back when he won the Heisman, sorry, uh, he did not. He, he did not crack the top 100 of all time hmm. in, in a single season. Wow! Are you going all the way down to Mississippi uh, Delta Valley State stats? Can I say Jerry Reed uh, or Jerry Rice? Well, Jerry uh, Jerry Reed definitely not. Uh, Jerry Reed's a country music star. Is he really? <laughs> I don't know. Um, he did uh, the song. Uh, he did the theme song to. Um, uh, Smoking the Bandit, Eastbound and Down. Eastbound, Eastbound and down, down, loaded up and trucking. Yeah. Uh, no, we're it, not doing uh, FCS. And um, is it depending D1? on the depend depending on the day? Uh, Jerry Reed probably would tell you that he's received <laughs> yards, but um, so is it my turn? Yeah, Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, Fitzgerald, that's a good guess, but um, his high was 1,672 back in, in 2003. Hmm. Sweet. Josh. I'm thinking. So 1,800 receivers. That's a lot of yards. The, the top in college football last year was Jamar Chase, who had 1,780 for LSU, and that took 15 games to get there. Hmm. So this is this is a lot of yards. So, hmm. so had Randy Moss in the '90s. There are two other players in the '90s who also accomplished this feat. The rest have taken place in the 2000s. The rest were in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. So it's not Fred Bolitnikoff. <laughs> no, not Fred Bolitnikoff. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> There was a all we almost had what Howard Twilly from Tulsa in 1965 had 1779 yards, which is absolutely ridiculous for 1965. Mm. But uh, no, there is, mm. I, I, I think there's only one big name that you guys should be embarrassed that you don't have yet. I think the 2000s person, um, has to come from an air raid offense, and I think it has to be Michael Crabtree. Yeah, number three all time, 1,962 yards in 2007. Damn. That was the big one I was hoping you would get. Yeah, if it wasn't Crabtree, I was going to say uh, the the league's highest paid wide receiver right now for the Atlanta Falcons. His name is Julio, Julio Jones. Jones. Um, Julio Jones, uh, nope, never, never hit top 100. Different Jones, Zay Jones, uh, our old friend from East Carolina, hit 1746 in 2016, falling just short. Um, one, uh, one more that you might, uh, I'll, I'll give you a hint. Uh, early, early 2010s from Baylor. Anyone, anyone remember any of those receivers? I just remember RG three running around. I don't remember yeah, who was passing to. One of the guys, Corey Coleman. 
Ooh, nope. Good guess. Terrence Williams is who we're looking for. Terrence Williams. Hmm. But uh, the rest of these, I doubt you will get them. Uh, number one all time, Trevor Inslee from Nevada. Only person to ever crack 2,000 receiving yards in a season back in 99. Troy Edwards from Louisiana Tech in 98 had 1,996. We talked about hmm. Michael Crabtree. Jordan White from Western Michigan, uh, 1,911. Uh, Greg Salas from Hawaii in 2010 had 1,889. Alex Van Dyke from Nevada in 95 had 1,854. We'd mentioned Terrence Williams and Randy Moss. And finally, Trent Taylor from Louisiana Tech. Oh, how, how come outside Randy Moss, none of those guys did anything? In Trent the Taylor's doing, doing NFL. pretty well for the, for the 49ers. Crabtree's been okay. All right. So we got two OKs and Randy yeah, Moss. We've got, we've got two OKs and Randy Moss out of a couple of those guys. But – I feel like if we were to look at the single season rushing records, we'd see more success. Would we now? Maybe. Well, let's find out then. They were talking about. They were talking about some guys. Fitz never did it. Uh, Obviously, Fitz Fitz never did it. So yeah, let's look at the. I I blame. I blame Walt Harris. Well, let's look at those two. Uh, yeah, if we if we look at just the top 10 of rushing uh, season records and for rushing yards, Barry Sanders, check. Melvin Gordon, who's had a decent career so far. Kevin Smith from Central Florida. Speaking mm, of Melvin. Not so much. Uh, yeah. Marcus Allen. Yeah, he was okay. Yeah, he's okay. Rashad Penny. Bust. Derrick Henry. Yes. Uh, freight train. Jonathan yeah. Taylor, about to enter the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Troy Davis from Iowa State, one of the few players to ever go uh, 2,000 multiple seasons. Um, wait, 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 wait. I want to rewind just real quick. Coach said bust to Richard Penny. He was having a really good year with Seattle till he hurt his knee. Yeah, no, he, he, he the, he's, he's fine. He's got time. Uh, Andre Williams from Boston College. Bust. And finally, LaDainian Tomlinson, not a bust. Not a bust. So how many was that? I lost count. But out it sounded like, like... Out, out of ten, we had, I mean, Barry Sanders, Marcus Allen, Ladanian Tomlinson, all Hall of Famers. Yeah. Um, plus Melvin Gordon, Rashad Penny, Derek Henry, all very more, more than serviceable NFL backs, and Jonathan Taylor, who hasn't even entered the NFL yet. So. Oh, so that's interesting. Then, so we've got why why do wide receivers? not pan out that's a good question i would assume it's because of scheme because you don't see air raid uh, as much in the nfl and because you have so much uh like the corner like the the jump from college d-backs to pro d-backs is massive um and the fact that the nf uh in college because the hashes are so much wider than they are in the nfl you can really exploit that much more so than you can um in you know in, in more of a pro style system i also think that if it, it, it's a lot easier to feed a receiver the ball in college than it is in the nfl i don't know coach what do you think i think so too i mean i think the coverage is tighter um quarterbacks have less time um you know everyone's just as good as you are uh making the team is even just tough enough uh you know, there's a lot of factors yeah, so, definitely. yeah, I, I, I see that for sure. Well, and also because the NFL uh, up until the last couple of years has always been a much more run-oriented game than college, at yeah. least in the last 20 years. Yeah, now, now it's not. 
But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not shocked that you know a lot of your D1 passing leaders are like mid major school guys that um, just blew up in college, and maybe a few of them made practice squads. Maybe a few of them were were low level receivers um, for a franchise for a couple of years before they got cut. Uh, special teams grinders, things like that. But um, it's just tough, man. The league is tough. People don't realize, you know, just because you produce in college does not mean you can produce in the league. There's mm-hmm. just no, there's just no barometer. It's all about opportunity, chances, and then, you know, developing. Yeah, and, the, the correlation isn't isn't quite there. Um, you know, it, it, it is not quite there. But you know, um, you know, speaking of you know, correlation, yeah, this Tom Brady in a in a Bucks uniform just looks weird. Well, to be fair, the current Bucks uniforms make everyone look weird. That's true. Yeah, they need to go back to the cream skulls. We know that. We know that. Um, speaking of jerseys, uh, if you guys are looking for something to do uh, in uh, while you are quarantined here uh, at your houses, uh, head back in the archives. Uh, look back about three years ago. You will notice we have a nice long string breaking down the uniforms from all of the conferences in FBS football. Do we want to update a few of the entries? We might have to. We might have to. Because people, uh, I think, I think some some schools listen to our podcast and they immediately switched uniforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. uh, if I remember correctly, I think uh, we determined that Auburn had the best uh, jerseys in the SEC, at least, right, Josh? That's that's still that still holds true. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, 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 what did we determine the Big Ten was? Iowa. Oh no, my guess is we either did Ohio State or uh, Michigan or Penn State. About that, I don't know about that. Uh, someone will listen to the tape and let us know. Um, I, I think uh, Clemson won the ACC, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Um, well, Georgia Tech has since improved. Uh, that, yep. that takes definitely. a lot in me to say. They they switched from Russell <laughs> to Adidas, and I thought Adidas has done a good job with with their uniforms. Uh, Switching from Russell to Adidas is like going from Skechers to New Balance. True. Speaking of New Balance, uh, Central Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> what are they up to? That's a darn good question. What are they up to? Um, but no, I was going to say one thing. I, I think uh, new atop our power rankings after this season might be those SMU uh, uniforms with the with the Ooh. Dallas the Dallas SMU uniforms are mm-hmm. our choice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely choice. Yes. So, um, but yeah, we've got the NFL draft coming up. Are, are there any guys, coach, that you are particularly excited to see where they go outside of your, you know, your, your dogs? Uh, I'm curious um, to see where Tua kind of falls uh, with all these quarterbacks moving around. Um, I'm curious to see where Jonathan Taylor ends up. It's all going to depend on these next two dominoes of running backs with uh, Carlos Hyde and uh, Melvin Gordon, not in that order particularly. Um, I'm interested to see who takes, you know, who takes Chase Young. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, with Gardner Minshew now the starter in Jacksonville, do they stick with that or do they try to trade up and get a quarterback or they try to get, you know, Justin Bear? You know, who does what? Yeah. You know, what, are the, what are the Chargers going to do? It's going to be interesting to see what, um, you know, what quarterbacks end up going where. We all know Joe Burrow is going to Cincinnati. That's pretty much a done deal. But, you know, does Tua end up in Miami or Detroit? Or is there another suitor that we're not even thinking about at this point for him? I mean, 
you think maybe the Chargers, they they might trade up to get into that market. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were bullish in the trade market to, to get up and get one of these quarterbacks. Um, Detroit needs so much. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at a... I'm looking at a mock draft right now. It has him getting Isaiah Simmons, who, if you haven't seen his, uh, he ran, I think, a 4.58 in the 40, and he's a linebacker. 4.38, 4.38. Oh, 4.38. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase Young to the Redskins, that would be huge for them. That would be great. Um, I think New York needs offensive line. Um, Makai Becton from Louisville, he's kind of the, uh, get this, 6'7", 365 pounds. And, and, just he, a tiny, and he can tiny move team. too. He can move. And yeah. He can move. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm looking at this and seeing that uh, most of these teams are actually addressing needs that they have. I'm kind of surprised Ceedee Lamb is going ahead of Jerry Judy. Um, I kind of think I kind of think Judy's more explosive and kind of uh, more of a vertical threat than Ceedee Lamb. I um, I actually think that uh, I think that. Actually, Henry Ruggs is the guy I would be most interested in. That guy is a is a physical freak. Yes, he is. Um, but it has Jacksonville getting this one has Jacksonville getting C D Lamb, which would be a great pickup there. Um Derek Brown wreaks so much havoc on Auburn's defensive line. Got him going to San Francisco. That'd be a great pickup for them. Um Henry Ruggs going to they got him going 15th to Denver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm interested in, in a couple guys probably way lower down the board. I'm ex, I'm excited to see who gets Lynn Bowden Jr. and what they do with him. Um, yeah. Because we know last year Lynn Bowden Jr. led Kentucky in passing, rushing, and receiving. And which is, uh, you know, uh, which, which is ridiculous on the face of it. But it, whatever, whoever gets him is getting a unique weapon. And there are there are many different ways to deploy someone like him, but I, I'm I'm very excited to see what happens with him. Are there any other guys like that under the radar, Josh? That you're you're interested in seeing what happens to them? Sort of. So when I was thinking about this question, uh, most people know I don't give two hoots about the NFL. I don't watch it. I don't care about the draft. I basically hope for uh, players I like to do well. Um, specifically Iowa players. But what I always like is the, how did this guy drop so far? So who's going to get the Aaron Rodgers award? And then who's going to get the, what is this team doing? The Daniels award from last year with uh, the the G-men taking a Duke quarterback. What a weird thing to say. Yeah. 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 So I'm curious who rises really far, who uh, who falls really far. Um, I have seen uh, probably a similar mock to what Coach was seeing. I'm, I'm looking at the CBS one right this now. This is the and, exact one I'm looking at. And I noticed that they have the Finns getting potentially or looking at potentially A.J. Epinesa with the 18th pick and Tua Tagovailoa up there with the fifth pick. And I'm trying to think of – a faster rebuild than that. The the Finns are a little frisky. Everyone thought they were going to go 0 and 16. They showed some fight. I thought they played fairly well with for Flores based on the limited stuff I follow with the NFL. Uh, we've already talked about the upheaval with New England. So it seems like Buffalo probably has the strongest foundation. Is there a chance 
Miami finished a second and then probably the Patriots third. And then, you know, the, the Jets never know what in the world. Yeah, it's doing. the Jets. What do you expect? I, I, I see the Patriots getting Jordan Love. That seems like a Patriots type of guy, but I'd be a little concerned, man. He led the nation in interceptions last year. He threw 17 picks. Do you know who his coach was? Well, unfortunately, he, yes, because he, he was my coach for two years. And... He gets the Gary Anderson pass. I, uh, I'm very surprised, though, that – Miami has three first-rounders, by the way. Yeah. Um, they, have a, they have get DeAndre Swift um, with pick 26. Mm-hmm. I'm very surprised that I don't see Nate Stanley in the top 10 or the first round at all. Well, that, that, that brings me to the next question for you two, a Georgia fan and an Iowa fan. Who gets drafted first, Jake Fromm or Nate Stanley? Because in, uh, according to Mel Kuyper Jr., they are his number seven and eight or number eight and nine quarterbacks on the board. I like Fromm uh, just because I guess he's – I guess they feel like mentally he's more – he's he's got an edge over Nate Stanley. Because I, th- uh, I think Stanley's definitely the better athlete. Stanley's the better athlete. I think Fromm is the better – uh, mental quarterback. Um, so it just depends on who needs what and where. I think it's going to be Stanley. He's the better athlete. He's bigger. He's got a stronger arm. There's some megomaniacal coaches in the NFL who thinks that they can turn that raw talent into something special. Yeah. I, 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 and I probably, about, probably about 32 megomaniacal coaches. And he, think that they it, can do that. And Stanley seems like the type of guy that is going to be sort of a late riser because of those physical traits. And they will, you know, if, if we're talking about, you know, you have to pay the Gary Anderson tax on Jordan Love. Well, Josh, I mean, your offensive coordinator, uh, he, you know, you, you should have to yeah, I, take I his mean, with a giant grain of salt. I mean, this is the best case scenario really for any quarterback, but there are shades of it with uh, Stanley. And that is, um, people looked at Tom Brady at college and they're like, okay, he's got some size, he's got some arm talent. He kept losing his starting job. Lloyd Carr did not play him consistently, mm-hmm. kept and losing his starting job. Yeah. And Belichick gets him, doesn't start him until Bledsoe goes down and then, you know, match made in heaven 20 years there. And you had a perfect coach untap a guy who had raw ability, who was just coached horribly in college. Mm-hmm. And there are some shades of that. Obviously, you know, in 20 years down the line, if Nate Stanley has even one Super Bowl, that would be freaking phenomenal. And I'm not saying that, um, you know, Stanley has the work ethic because Tom Brady has the craziest work ethic. I've really ever heard of any professional athlete having. Um, So there's other intangibles that help Brady out. But in terms of the trajectory of their college career, you have two uh, gifted physical blueprints that were underutilized by not very good college coaching. And so if Stanley gets to the right system with the right coach, the right GM, you know, if he gets to a New England type NFL team versus a Houston Texan type NFL team, there's a chance that Stanley's gifts are unlocked because, um, you know, you you saw the arm strength when he had whiz a ball 50 yards down the field on a 
25 uh, yard out pattern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll happen. That'll happen. Yep. All right. Well, uh, coach, you got any, any other things you want to add here? Uh, there's a report out there. Gardner Minshew was exposed to the coronavirus. Coronavirus is now in quarantine for the next two weeks. Yeah. I, I heard a very similar joke with Chuck Norris. Yeah, I like, same. Yeah. same. Yeah, it's it's the same concept. Yeah, I um, think a, I think a better joke for Gardner Minshew's look and it being Jacksonville would be Gardner Minshew tested positive for coronavirus. The coronavirus is responding very well to its herpes treatment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord! Well, um, I think that's going to end it for us here today, guys. Anything you want to add here on the end, Josh? Uh, no, just, um, you know, stay safe. There's a reason we're doing this. It's called flattening the curve. Uh, it's not that the three of us in our thirties are going to have a terrible episode if we contract it, but it's, you know, coach just saw his mom. I might see my parents at some point, My you parents know, are slated to come to Nashville in a couple yeah, of weeks. So it, it, it's like not that. about us. It's about our older folks it's about people that are immunocompromised maybe they're fighting cancer on chemo they don't want to get it maybe it's someone in our life who has a newborn so you know it, it bounces around and around and around and the other thing is sounds like the research says it's most contagious when you first get it and have no symptoms so you know i could be sitting here stewing with covid virus and not know it and go out to eat or pick up food and then infect everyone else so that's why stay at home flatten the curve um we know we're going to have a lot of sick people but we don't want to overwhelm our healthcare professionals so just please stay home enjoy podcasts at home that's what i'm doing yep yep enjoy our podcast but yeah I, i echo every bit of what you said josh it's not about us it's about the the more vulnerable, um, immunocompromised, and and elderly folks, um, such as my mom, who fits in both categories. So, um, you know, I I made sure to uh, go to the grocery store as much as I could for her while she, while I was there, um, and just you know just do small things while I could um, before and then I got sanitize back. your entire body before you go in contact with her after you've gone to the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, definitely, and you know take advantage of this time enjoy time with your family at home uh you know enjoy uh, time with us enjoy time with us my uh my wife and i have committed to a reading for an hour a day it's been a while since i've actually had the time to read so getting back into reading i'm a big nonfiction person so i just Mm. picked up uh doris kern's goodwin's team of rivals Mm. which i'm very excited about reading um, but, you know, or send time, you know, learning a new skill, new talent, you know, at, at this point in civilization, we have more and more different ways to learn things online. I'm picking my guitar back up again. So try to make the most of this. You know, it, it, it does kind of stink that you're not that, you know, we're not able to go out and do big group things and all, all of that. So, you know, just try to use this time to know work on yourself work on improving yourself and your relationships with those around you and you know 
Uh, if you haven't talked to anyone for a while, give them a call. I've been trying to call old friends and talk to them and catch up. And because I know that everyone else is, you know, sitting around their house trying to juggle work from home with everything else. So uh, all of you out there across the world, please stay safe. And uh, we will be back uh, next week with uh, another show that may or may not have anything to do with college football. So, um, so for now, uh, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in the Music City, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, up there in the Windy City. This is the professor in Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Watch your hands, fools. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion and check out our Facebook page. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.